This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Welcome to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Michael here with you, and today I am again in the studio with my wife, Brianne Fueling. And uh, yesterday we tackled the question, what is it like to be a pastor's wife Part one. Uh, Today, we're going to finish answering that question, talk about, I think, just some interesting aspects of particularly what it's like to be married to me and advice that you would give um, to people going into full-time ministry. A few little details about my wife. Number one, uh, married for 13 years three kids. She runs a counseling center. She's a licensed professional clinical counselor. She's also a florist. She owns and operates Floral Excellence. Um, And so there's just a lot of moving parts in our life. Mm -hmm. And so our ministry, I think, looks probably pretty different than most people. And uh, so kind of in light of all that, Brianne, let's let's revisit this question. What's Mm -hmm. it like to be a pastor's wife? Um, Particularly, how do you feel Mm -hmm. listening to me preach Mm -hmm. every single week and uh, not only listening to me preach, but having me like talk to you about my sermons. (laughs) Yeah, good question. So I think I'm super thankful in that arena. Um, People ask me that question. That's probably the most frequent question that I get from people. And I always tell them that I'm so thankful that I actually do enjoy your sermons because if I didn't, um, I would want to run away because I don't think I could listen to something I didn't like so many times. So, so for, many times. So for me, and so many times, I mean, I think one of the things that people don't understand is that usually I've heard the sermon, not as much anymore, but especially when you were first starting to preach, I had probably heard the sermon at least one to three times before the two services. And so by the end of that, I'm saying things along with you. I'm I'm lip, I'm right there stating them because I know your heart. I know the outline. I know the direction. And and I, I'm right there with you. I'm tracking with it. And it's, it's like, speak those words out of the fire in your bones. <laughs> and, um, and I love it. And so for me, getting to hear those over and then getting to hear some of them where I haven't, I have no idea what's going to come. It's a total surprise. I love both elements of it. And I'm just thankful that I secretly really do actually think that you're a very good teacher and um, benefit from from hearing God's word come from your heart and come from your mouth and come from your brain um, just as much as I think that our entire congregation and those who listen to the podcast also benefit from it. I'll write you a check later for those kind mm-hmm. of words. That was really sweet mm-hmm. of you. I appreciate that. Um, a long time ago, Brian and I, we sat through a sermon and uh, the, the pastor um, got up and I remember this, I won't say where, cause it'll mm-hmm. give it away. But, um, I think his, he said his wife sits through five, six or seven of his sermons every single week. And she sits on the front row mm-hmm. at all of his messages. Mm-hmm. And the message he <laughs> yeah, gave was so boring. Boring. I was, I was like, like, shoot oh, me in the head. Lady. Seriously. I felt so bad for her, but yes. fun little fact about you. You only go to one of our services. Like you're not the pastor's wife who's sitting in the front row like arms folded, nodding at everything I say. I mean, you've got three kids, you're running around, you've got a life. Secretly to you, probably, I usually am at both services, but I'm not in both the services. So one of the other services I'm connecting with people, sometimes I have counseling meetings. Sometimes I'm just trying to love on people and get to know them better. But yeah, I get to enjoy one service and... um, in the back rows, to be honest, like yeah. you're not up front. I'm not a front row person. And yep. for me to be in the front row would make me personally feel like <gasps> I couldn't concentrate. 
um, I've in every class I've ever been in, I've sat in the back row at every conference I ever go to. I sit in the back row. Um, yeah, which makes it good for both of us. And so that's where I can focus most and Mm -hmm. I can feel like I can really think better. So, so Brian, talk talk a little bit more about some more behind the scenes things that happen, whether it's a church or being a pastor's wife, and just things that you're experiencing in a on a weekly basis. Yes, I think one of the biggest challenges as of late sometimes is this concept of entering into people's lives, being authentic, like we talked about yesterday, but also wanting to love them and holding attention of viewing my husband and feeling protective of you, um, yet trying to love them. So let's say you said something in a sermon that frustrated someone. You, you mean that would happen? No. No. I said, let's say. Oh, okay. Hypothetically, did, of course. And yes. then they come and pour their heart and soul out to me. And I see the disconnect. Maybe I can see their own personal story mm-hmm. um, trying to eat you alive for something that is I know is not in your heart. I know is not what you meant. Um, or maybe it was just a miscommunication or something that happened, but either way, it leaves me often in a, in a place of holding tension between trying to care for that person, but the subject matter being someone who I'm fiercely protective of. Yep. And so that's something that I think happens often. Yep. Um, and the reality is I can say dumb things. Oh I can't yeah, actually... that's a very big reality. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, <laughs> so t- t- two days ago when I spoke on Donald Trump, um, uh-huh. did I put my foot in my mouth on that one? No, oh, I thought that putting ketchup on hot dogs was fabulous. Um, All right, good, good. <laughs> as a ketchup lover too. I but I think absolutely. So I think one of the biggest things. <laughs> All right, carry on. Sorry. But I think even when you do say things that probably weren't the wisest or the best, I think that allows people to see your humanity and how Jesus works through you to love and care for people and to to be his mouthpiece a lot of times also and how um, God chooses to work th- through you even in those moments. Yep. I, I remember one of the things I regret saying in the, pul- in the pulpit probably mm-hmm. more than anything was when I did my seal impression. Yeah, I regret that also <laughs> for you and for myself. And so you did a seal impression because what happened, he stepped on a seal when we were in California and it fit into the story somehow. It did. I, well, and, but I, wait, I, wait. I've crammed it into the story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah be that's better. And then so recently he wanted to do a whale impression. And the favorite part of my story about <laughs> that is that during the first service, I sat in the back and I was like, dear Jesus, please make this stop right now. And it didn't stop. And then in the second service, our daughter sat in the, sat in the sermon and she said, oh, no, daddy, don't do it. Oh, no, daddy, don't do it. <laughs> and then he did it. And we were both wanted to hide. And so that brings me to the point of that. I think another behind the scenes thing is that lots of times I do wish that I had a magical buzzer in the sermons where I could buzz buzz you and be like no that's not right or please stop making a seal impression yeah or whatever it may or be why do you keep calling saul paul and paul saul yes. and corinthians chronicles and chronicles or, corinthians and, and, and david, david solomon jonathan whatever. and whoever yeah. and just getting words mixed up and sometimes i just want to raise my hand and say oh he actually meant but that is just the sinful corrector part of me coming through Wait. so i try to nope don't comment on that so <laughs> so i have to suppress that and just let the lord work through you and um, yeah, hopefully be your helper in that way. And I think, um, how do you man? Can I just interrupt there? Like, how do you manage the tension when 
Okay, so here's a reality, right? People who are not brave enough, bold enough, or comfortable enough to talk to me will talk to you oh. and try to get their message to me, right? So you're here yes. and you're like a mediator, but you don't yes. want to be, right? So you know their game, whether they consciously realize it or not, because sometimes people do unconscious things yeah. and uh, they don't really, not unconscious, subconscious things. Right. <laughs> I guess technically <laughs> unconscious things don't yes. happen. Uh, and so... How do you handle that tension between like, no, the right thing for them to do is to speak directly yeah. to me. So that's where being a counselor, I think, comes in handy and having this whole concept of boundaries. And I'm pretty thankful that the Lord spoke that to my heart very early on to mm. you being both a youth pastor and the lead pastor. When you became lead pastor, people would all the time come up and be like, at 830 on Thursday, I'd like to meet with Michael. <laughs> and I would say, oh, oh, then good. Great. You can go talk to him and tell him that. And I try to be nice and not awkward, um, but it happened all the time. People um, talk to me as though I was your walking planner. Or they'd say, you know what? Michael really needs to call me back. And he, they'd say, I've sent him 27 text messages and they're all unreturned. And they would tattle mm. on you basically to yep. me. And I just. Oh, he was in the hospital with appendicitis. Did you know that? Yeah. I continually. It's unacceptable. Um, having a pain level on a scale of 1 to 10 of 17. That's right. That's 17. Right. My pain is 17. <laughs> um, and so I would continually point them back to you and continually tell them that they needed to either address that with you or if you had an assistant at that time to talk to them, mm -hmm. that that was not a responsibility that I was willing to take on. Yep. And I'm so glad that I set that boundary. It still happens to this day, but now it's much easier for me to kind of direct them to the correct person and to let those people do their jobs because they're really good at them. Yep, absolutely. You can talk to Lydia and mm -hmm. she will actually answer and set up any of your questions that you might have. Or yep. here's an idea. If you're upset, just talk to the person. Right. Like Matthew 18, like straight up talk to the person if you're upset with them. Yep. So, and you know, most of the time they do. And that's what I love to watch happen is for them to reconnect with you and to share their heart and for that to be reconciled. And that's yep. a beautiful process. So so as a pastor's wife, one of the things that um, I know, and I know this being a pastor, is that people are very protective of us. So one of the joys that we have at Village is we have, my personal opinion, is a great relationship with our body. Um, I keep thinking our bodies should complain more about mm -hmm. me, and they're just so kind to me. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, our elders, our deacons, our staff, like it's really just a great environment and it's better than every probably what I ever thought it would be. Everybody mm -hmm. told me yes. you're going to fight with your elders, your staff is going to be difficult and your church is going to complain and I'm like my church is so loving and encouraging. Our elders are some of my closest friends and our deacons are rocking people who just love Jesus and love me like fiercely and our staff are just a blast to work with. Is it perfect? Mm -hmm. Well, no, but it's infinitely better I think than we thought dreamed or imagined yeah, yeah. you know and um, so in light of that <clears throat> on our end like what i find is people are very protective of us and so mm -hmm. here's a phrase that is said often and uh, i want i want you to just tell me how do you process it and what is the reality and the phrase is this and, and it comes from a protective heart by the way so this mm -hmm. is not critical or bad this is just you must be so busy, mm. right? Yeah, I could have filled in that blank. Yes. And uh, I would say above any other thing, this is the thing we hear the most. I didn't want to bother you or right. how do you do that? Or you must be overwhelmed. And, you know, there's some transference there because yes. if it were their life, they would be. And if I had their mm -hmm. life, I would be overwhelmed. And mm -hmm. so just tell me a little bit about how you process busyness as a pastor's wife. Three kids, counseling center, flower shop, my wife, et cetera, yeah. a home. Well, busyness is not a title or a word that I will ever accept or use. I will use that I am tired. Um, 
because I just don't, it's not something that I think should be glorified and it's not something that I want to be known by, but it is something that people put on to me all the time. And I would actually say yesterday, I mentioned that when my, when people call my children pastor's child in kind of a rude tone, that gets me pretty fierce. And when people tell me, oh, well, you're busy, that actually is probably my second most yep. fierce stirring inside yep. of my heart. Even though their intentions are good. Absolutely. Like they're great intentions, but Absolutely. it's like. But I don't value busyness. Right. I don't value that as something that, um, I want to be known for, and yep. so for me, it's like, oh, I just lost, I just lost the the life. Yep. <laughs> like for like, some for some people, busyness is, is a goal. sign mm-hmm. of productivity. Yes. We have no desire to be busy no. or not be busy. That's not no. even in our brain. I think for I think I can speak for you when I say this. Few things make me feel as misunderstood and defeated. Yes. Then when people tell me you must be busy, and I'm absolutely like, because I want them to look at our lives and to look at my life and say. She is trying to use every moment for the kingdom of Jesus. Yep. And this life is not about her, but it is about bringing glory to Jesus, whether that's through flowers or whether that's through her her babies or through... Um, Mind the baby? Uh, uh, no. Oh, okay. Um, and her husband. There we go. And um, her, her house, her gardens, whatever it may be, that like whatever it is that I'm tackling, whatever it is that I'm spending my time on... Um, that yeah, glory is being brought to Jesus in those moments. Yep. And so, and that I'm not wasting it and that I'm not being selfish and that I'm not being um, self-serving or prideful. And so pride is probably one of my greatest enemies. And so I'm constantly trying to break that and mortify that um, so that that's not a part of what I'm doing. Yep. We we had a converse, conversation, I think it was, gosh, it had been this week. And um we, you know, right now, and I'll, I'll, I'll be all, you know, mysterious, but Bree and I are, are thinking about adding something significant to our life. You mm-hmm. know, there's a big decision in front of us that, like, do we mm-hmm. do this? And on one level, it feels like if anybody saw it, they'd be like, why would you even consider doing that when you already have all of this going on? Yeah. And uh, one of the things I said to her is nobody could ever blame us for not cramming as much into life as humanly possible. <laughs> right. And honestly, um, like that's, that's a value of mine. It's yep. a value of mine to be able to say like, okay, Jesus. And I look him in the face and I say, I try to use every moment for your glory yep. and for your and good. rest. And that's, and, mm-hmm. and some people automatically transfer are, 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 you know, for rest yep. because that's when he speaks to my heart. That's when he speaks to my soul. And if there's something that I'm terrible at, yep. it is, it is resting. And I own that all the time. And so it's I'm something that I pursue. You are not terrible at it. I'm very productive at resting. Yes. It's some of my most productive <laughs> yeah. moments, you know, that's something I respect to one degree about you though, say, say that. Is, is that is that you can rest is that you can look at you, like jesus did he looked at all these people and he was able to pull himself away and he was able to like regroup um i think i a lot of times succumb to the tyranny of the urgent and that's something that i think the lord has continually had to speak to my heart and show me you still have to pull yep. away well which is why some people, when you look at the rhythm of our life, like we go hard and then we rest hard. Right. And so there's a few times a year where we'll plan two or three week vacations because our normal weeks are going, they're just fast, mm-hmm. you know? But like, so we pur- we purposely put into our life and our rhythm and our schedule intense rest yeah. where we shut things off. And uh, I think a lot of times, because many pastors do experience burnout, many people are concerned that, mm-hmm. you know, this will be us. Well, well, burnout is when somebody does something beyond their capacity or ability right. or in a way that isn't helpful or productive long term, and everybody processes life differently. And right. So for us, I think over the years, 
years, we found a really good rhythm of intense and then intense rest, yep. intense work, intense rest. And we also play. Like We, do we play love to play. We love to go and do things with our children that are fun. We love to do different activities. We yep. love to eat really good food. All and those time. are all sources of rest for us also, yep. um, which we love to incorporate. Yep. So let's talk about um, – we only have a couple minutes left here. Um, so let's talk about a few pieces of advice that you would give to anyone – going into who's going to marry a, a full-time ministry person, yeah. whether it's a pastor or anything else. Like, mm-hmm. What are some just major pieces of advice that you would give that get past maybe our personalities and that are just kind of universal principles? Yeah. So I think the first one would be to take heart. I think in order to be mar- to be in a ministry marriage and to be in ministry yourself or to watch your husband be in ministry, your heart has to be fortified with the gospel and reminded of that all the time mm. that, that this is the cost this is this is this is what is at stake this is the beauty that we have to be able to bring to this world and it is very valuable and very important and so we can't let fear pride and a number of other things take us down or the love of our own selves um i mean there and it's hard there's been so many times when I have thought in my mind, he better be saving a soul right now if he's not home with me and these children. Because I promised to be home and I wasn't. Um, yes. or And then I was texting you 600 million thousand times and, and I didn't know if you were alive any longer. Disregarding them or ignoring them or not um, seeing them. Or your phone was dead. Um, I, I, and so That happened. And I was saving souls. There was a couple times when I was legit and I was like, oh, he was. She's like, where were you? And I'm like praying with somebody to trust in Christ. I'm like, what do you want me to do? Leave you? And I'm like, they're pouring my heart out to me. And you're like, you're lucky. I might go insane. (laughs) Um, So I think really for that, just really thinking like it takes a lot of fortitude. And um, as a side note, that's just one thing I would love to gift to women in general in this generation. But I think asking the Lord to fortify our hearts and ask to give us that strength that it takes to know that we need to do what we need to do because there's something that is at great stake and that is the hearts and lives of the people around us. I think secondly, ministry is um, challenging a lot of times because there's not a schedule per se. Um, we have schedules that we work from and routines, but at the same time, they're fairly erratic. Yeah. When someone needs something and someone passes away or someone's in the hospital or someone has a crisis or someone's just really sad, everything has to be tailored around caring for these people. And so as ministry wives and as um, ministry families, we have to hold things with an open hand. We have to say, Lord, this is our plan. This is what we would like to accomplish, but you come in and direct our steps and make it happen how you want to. Um, and I think, too, probably one of the last qualities that I would encourage people to really seek out and to embrace is just understanding that we have a unique burden. And sometimes that burden is the best burden and it makes us hop and skip and jump um, with joy to be able to carry for people. Um, but our husbands and who are the pastors or however it works in our ministry marriage, like we look at that and, and they have a burden that is unique and it's heavy. Sometimes it's heavy. Sometimes that's really hard. Sometimes it we're underneath it and we're trying to figure out how in the world we even get up to crawl with it. And I think just really looking at people and being able to understand that there is a burden that sometimes we can't even share. We can't speak about it. Um, but it's ours to bear and the Lord is right there wanting and willing to help us carry that. Mm -hmm. Um, And when he gives us things, 
he wants to show up and show us how he wants to work in that situation. Yep. And so I, off of that, it's, so being understanding of that burden and being compassionate towards that, even if, you know, there's children crying and the house is messy, like sometimes there's just still such a burden that has to be addressed. And I think also off of, off of that, excuse me, is asking for help. And so lots of times there's things in our life that we cannot ask for help. I can't tell someone else the confidentiality burden I have. I can't, you yep. can't tell someone else what's going on a lot of times, but we can ask someone to help us with yep. our laundry. And we do that, honestly, a lot. There are a oh, lot yeah. of times where we just need some really practical, tangible help. And we just say, could you, could you help? And there are people who have gifts of service and, mm -hmm. and they love it and they're so willing. And there's just a, there's just a group of, I think, ladies in particular mm -hmm. who are rock stars that we can just go to and say, look, we need help. Yeah. And they and they see the things that we're doing and they're like, no, that's that is valuable. We see mm -hmm. that God's called you to I'm not being lazy. And, right? no, you're not. I just I can't I have yet to figure out how to do all this and fold my laundry and put it away. Yeah. Well, laundry is one of those things that some people like and some people hate. And we both collectively hate it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. One of the things I appreciate is that. Um, even in all this, and there are seasons that are harder than others, but like you keep our kids front and center. You know, they're with mm -hmm. us, they're engaged, we talk with them, we play mm -hmm. with them, and, and our son is in the room right next door to us having mm -hmm. a blast, and they get to see and be a part of this with us. But at the same time, um, I don't think our kids are going to grow up and say, Mom and Dad weren't there. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to be able to say, No, like they prioritize us and valued us. And I think that's huge, and I appreciate it's how you prayer. do that. And, and uh, even in the midst of everything else, you know that we are given a primary stewardship of our marriage and our kids mm -hmm. to do that first. Yep. Everything else flows out of Jesus, yep. spouse, family, and then we give everybody else the rest. And uh, it may sound like we're talking about everything else, but there's a big assumption here, which is we pretty much have to fight for our time together. Yep. And we do it. And we yep. win. And um, I'm really excited about that. So I yeah. appreciate that a lot. Um, well, thank you for joining us and talking to us about that. Tomorrow, we are going to talk about anxiety. You ready mm. to talk about that? Should yes. Be fun. The counselor in Brienne is going to come out. So I wanted to say to our audience, thank you for joining us today. Um, it's been a pleasure just to give you maybe a behind-the-scenes peek at our marriage and ministry. And from a pastor's wife's perspective, you can see we're not Ned Flanders or Reverend Lovejoy from The Simpsons. Things look pretty much very different than that. Mm. Um, but we counted a joy. So um, listeners, if you would do us three big favors, number one, um, would you uh, go to our website, vcob.org, and would you leave a question? There's a button on the homepage that says Q&A Podcast. If you leave a question, we would really, really appreciate it. Um, number two, would you rate and review this podcast? The more ratings and reviews, the more people actually get to see it um, on the iTunes store, the broader the reach goes. And finally, number three. Would you be so kind as to share this podcast and give it away? And maybe this would actually help somebody understand their pastor and their pastor's wife maybe just a little bit mm -hmm. better. I love you guys. Thank you. See you tomorrow.